chapter one of the love of landry all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the love of landry by paul lawrence dunbar chapter first for a time at least the osborne family circle was to be broken up there were only three of them in the big old house in gramercy park john osborne the father and helen and mildred the daughters the mother had died when mildred was less than ten and since then the three had never been separated for long at a time even when they were away for the summer the father managed to join them every week or two if they were near new york or if far away to spend several weeks with them at the end of the season but now mildred who was a slight girl had contracted a cough and the doctor had ordered her away from new york there is at present nothing the matter with her lungs said old dr van pelt nothing except a tendency but a tendency my dear sir is a thing that should always be stopped by all means always stop a tendency but heavens doctor exclaimed osborne where shall i send the child he was usually a very placid old gentleman until something came near one of his doves then he was apt to become nervous and lose his repose oh there's the south of france southern california colorado oh a dozen places but for my part he added shaking his pince nez thoughtfully i should go to colorado high dry air out-of-door life and in a year or maybe two our young lady comes back blooming and hardy but van pelt man colorado why that seems almost beyond civilization it isn't but what matter if it were you know i'm a doctor of the old school although i've kept up with the new and it's one of my old fogey opinions sort of left over as it were that civilization has always been a foe to good health when our ancestors painted themselves and danced impossible things on the sand who ever heard of weak lungs but now after a season of tripping it in a close room in heavy silks my lady has a cough but it's no matter john it's no matter it's a slight thing pack up the little girl nevertheless and take her away good morning good morning so it was decided that to colorado mildred must go but then the quandary confronted the family who would go with her there were many reasons why helen could not leave and the father thought of his business at this juncture they did as they always did and called in council aunt ansley she was the sister of john osborne's deceased wife a widow of fortune and possessed of very positive views she came and the case was laid before her hum she mused to colorado why not to southern france the doctor prefers the former place he's an old fogey and i don't see why you have him john i beg your pardon anna but he's both an old friend and an excellent physician 
oh i mean no harm to your van pelt he comes of a very excellent old family and i've no doubt does very well for his age the question is merely do you insist upon colorado we do then the matter simply settles itself without further discussion john you must go with mildred but anna you have worked long enough and hard enough to take a year's vacation the business for that length of time can do without your personal supervision now don't interrupt me you know that mildred must have some one of her near and dear ones with her now helen can't go while well, mr berkeley that is while matters are as at present in statu quo helen went furiously red while mildred laughed behind her hand i would go myself went on mrs ansley if things were otherwise in fact i shouldn't mind a trip to france but colorado way out there never and so because there was no gain saying mrs ansley's word this much was settled that john osborne should accompany his younger daughter out west while mrs ansley should take charge of helen and their home and i do hope my dear mrs ansley added before going that you'll take good care of yourself out there among those cowboys and catamounts and things it really seems terrible to send you to such a place why aunt anna i'm going to wear leggings and go deer hunting laughed mildred and i shall come back wearing a sombrero and a buck skin skirt don't joke mildred don't joke it's highly improper and i'm sure you are joking for you could never so disgrace your family as to wear leggings and a buckskin skirt dear aunt anna has such an overpowering sense of humour said mildred as the door closed upon their worthy relative you really shouldn't laugh at her mildred returned helen you know she has such a good heart and it was so good of her to offer to come here and take charge of the house i'd rather it were you than i though replied the younger girl i'd sooner take my chances with catamounts and cowboys more than either her father or sister mildred osborne retained her good spirits in face of the coming separation she was young she had only turned twenty and she had youth's belief in her powers of recuperation not for one moment did she doubt what would be the outcome to her health she saw that the western trip was the inevitable and like a little philosopher accepted it it was the night before the day of their departure that she stood in the drawing-room looking out on the dreary september streets it was early in the month but a cold rain blew gustily against the pane every now and then a bouncing hansom went by its lamps throwing a silvery glow on the wet streets a moment before mildred had been crying as she and helen talked over the morrow's parting but now her cheery mood had reasserted itself and she was drumming on the glass and humming a merry tune to herself suddenly she ceased and pressed her face against the pane with a convulsive motion look there she cried at that poor child trudging along with a bundle through this miserably cold rain helen came to the window too bad she said calmly oh why will people send their children out such nights as this because they are poor and have to i suppose and we are warm and comfortable here in the house while that poor child is out there stumbling through the rain look she almost fell i'm going out to her mildred you must not you're not well and you'll take your death of cold oh helen don't stop me i must and i will it isn't right i've never thought about it at all until to-night 
as she talked the girl was hastily throwing a cloak about her shoulders against her sister's continued remonstrances she hurried out into the street and after the child the little trudger with the great bundle had gotten some distance beyond the house when mildred went to find her and helen shivering in the doorway saw her when she overtook and stooped to speak to the midget and then watched her lift the child's bundle and turn back toward the house impulsive girl she said to herself starting down the steps but just then she saw a hansom which was about passing stop and a gentleman get out he took possession of the bundle placing his umbrella at the disposal of the two helen gasped arthur heathcote what will he think it didn't seem to matter much what arthur heathcote thought for it was a very merry party that came up the steps of the osborne house mildred was squeezing the hand of the mite and laughing and the young englishman looking decidedly awkward with his bundle smiling down upon them both mediaeval bravery very commonly risked death for a woman's love but it remained for nineteenth-century courage to risk ridicule surely you're not going to bring her in here how do you do mr heathcote why not this from mildred oh why she's so draggly just drop the bundle right here mr heathcote the more reason for bringing her in come on little girl the osborne house was old-fashioned enough to have in its drawing-room the grate of an earlier period of course in winter there was furnace heat and no one shivered about the inadequate open fire as they had done at functions of fifty years before but then it looked cheerful and it showed up the mellow tints of some famous pictures as maclise and a Carreau among them and so when the nights were chill the fire was duly lit before it to-night the little girl was placed and the wet shawl taken from her head and put out to dry nina the maid held the garment gingerly between her thumb and forefinger and sniffed perceptively but mildred beamed on the child as she sat blinking her round black eyes at the blaze with her own hands she brought her hot tea and good things to eat and the child half dazed and wondering looked up into the girl's face and took them all in silence save when they could draw from her lips the reluctant answer to some question i wonder if she's real clean asked helen timorously approaching cleanliness in children is abnormal and should be discouraged said mildred shortly oh ha 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 good good cried heathcote cleanliness abnormal good but of course miss mildred you don't mean it at this juncture the visitor feeling her dignity offended made a motion to go mildred hastened to wrap her up warmly and to slip something shiny in her hand the little hard fingers closed around the soft ones and mr osborne's young daughter received a look from the child's grave eyes that brought the tears into her own and made her stoop and kiss the grimy face when she looked up again heathcote was standing at the door hat in hand and waterproof on i'm going to send the little one home you know he explained oh began helen but it is good of you said mildred softly and he bowed himself out helping the child down the steps as if she had been a princess mildred how could you cried helen almost tearfully i couldn't if he hadn't helped me dear he didn't do it because i made him but because it was in him helen i have a slight cough and every one is helping and sheltering me father's leaving his business to go there across the country with me that poor little thing didn't you hear her cough and yet she is out in the rain alone and carrying her great burden couldn't i do that little bit for her what a queer girl you are mildred 
and then heathcote came back his face was glowing with exercise and no man ever looked less disgraced i put her in a cab you know and told the cabby where to go he said some beastly little street down here really you ought to have seen the little beggar she looked as pleased as a kitten and hugged her bundle up as tight and there was a light in his eyes as he looked down upon mildred such as they put in the halo of a saint wasn't it jolly he added jolly yes said mildred with just the suspicion of a shake in her voice and then they talked of other things of commonplaces until helen according to that ancient and not always respected custom rose and excused herself there was a long silence between them when they were alone the big englishman fared with the suggestion that the blood was always just ready to come swift to his face was good to look at it and the girl with the colour in her cheeks and her thick brown hair half high upon her head was a fitting foil for him so you are going to-morrow miss mildred he said yes to-morrow but you know to-morrow is the day that never comes i believed that fallacy until now he said but now i find that it does come and crushingly soon yes i go to-morrow she added aimlessly it's going to be a long journey isn't it i wish i might take it for you you are good you have been so good to me to-night and i thank you please don't thank me i wish i might go on being good to you for a thousand years even if i had no other reward than hope miss mildred i don't want to go on boring you but you know you know don't you i know of course i do arthur dear arthur but can't you understand it's so hard for me to explain it to-night i'm a brute for making you think of it instead of trying to make this last night of yours at home pleasant what a miserable blunderer and brute i am no no it is i who am the brute who cannot feel i i wish heaven would send me the man who would say so you can feel you do feel only i am not the man well let me see this is the fifth no i've heard from you since april very well no no that you say shall be final until some other claims you and now i must not keep you up i shall not see you to-morrow his tone was cheery but his face was pale though the light that was in his eyes when he looked at her had not died out as he left her she sank down crying softly he is so good so honest why cannot i love him End of chapter one